Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop back in Tin Top, Texas. Today's show is, uh, what is today's show? It's the second part of Route the Quarenta down to Mendoza, where I got to meet some amazing people where the bike breaking down was one of the highlights of this trip. So, you know... I can't wait to see everybody this weekend at Born Free Texas. Let's get into it. That was Thou Shalt Not Hassle by Extermination Day. Thanks to Zach at Heavy Clothing. Check out Heavy Clothing at heavy.bigcartel.com. So this weekend we got Born Free Texas at the Yellow Rose Canyon. Hopefully you've already bought your grass passes and you are set up for the event. I think I might have fucked up. I don't know that I bought any grass passes, but I got a cabin and I'll be going out on Wednesday night late, I'm picking up Jay Cruz uh, and all his eternal trip gear that he will be selling at the MC Shop Tees booth on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, man, there's going to be a bunch of rad vendors out there this week. And I talked to Kerry Brobeck from Choppers Magazine yesterday. He is coming out with some Choppers Magazines. Uh, if you don't have the newest uh, issue... I did an article about Kickstart Mike's Dream Trip, the recipe for disaster. So you can pick one of those up there. Uh, Nick Resty from the Haints is bringing thing, man. And uh, oh man, it's gonna be a fucking good time. I got the, I got my chopper going. I got the flathead going. I got my mini Honda going. I got the Yamaha going. I'm bringing out four bikes. And, uh, man, I'm stoked. I hope that you're all set up. I got the drums out this week. I've been warming up the chops to play a set with the outbound train. And, man, I couldn't be more excited. There's going to be a bunch of good music, a bunch of good bikes, a bunch of good people. Make sure you are at the Yellow Rose Canyon this weekend. Uh, this show, like all shows, is brought to you by mcshoptees.com. Your T-shirt of the month club, the only way to support every local motorcycle shop. That's right. Each month, we feature a different shop from around the country. This month is a shop from fucking Costa Rica, Tamarindo, Costa Rica. It is a, dude, it's a one-off like every month, and this is a special one because it's not even a motorcycle shop. It's a surf shop called Che Boards, and when I was there, just seeing all the motorcycles out front on the side inside dude bikes i mean i was like fuck you guys this is this is a motorcycle shop even though you guys build surfboards so we are featuring che boards this month next month is a rad shop from the northeast i will post pictures of this shop soon to let you know who it is but you got to be signed up by the end of the month and the holidays are coming up so you can buy three six and twelve month packages for your friends for your family you know, for that crazy biker, you know, that wears a bunch of gay shit, you know? Get him out of the Harley gear and get him in some badass local shop t-shirts. If you want to support the show, but you don't want any t-shirts, go to DangerDansTalkShop.com and sign up now for the Patreon. Five bucks a month keeps gas in my tank, keeps this show on the road, and it gives you a chance at winning a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. Uh... $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. Let me say that again. The last, the race bike I just built, the Flathead, this year, dude, the majority of that, if, it's, if it isn't old Harley parts, those parts came from Lowbrow Customs. So they got what you need if you're building a chopper. You need to maintain your chopper. I uh, recently did an oil change with Pan Am Oils. Oil straight from Lowbrow Customs. So they got what you need, and you can win a $100 gift card by signing up for the Patreon. Uh, oh, so back to Born Free. I had a crazy idea yesterday. <clears throat> and uh, I, was like, I was like, fuck, I need to give away a long haul award. A long haul award. You know, give an award to whoever 
rides their chopper the furthest to the first Born Free Texas show. But to do a cool trophy and then to send it home with the guy who rode his bike, it's not, you know, you can't, you can't do, you can't take, you can't strap much down, right? So I had an idea. What if I have something cut out of metal that says Born Free Texas, and then we stamp the winner's name on it, and I hang it up in my cabin out at the Yellow Rose Canyon and leave it there forever for people to see their name, and then like have something to shoot for, you know, like give you, you know, a place to put your name that'll be there all the time. So that's what we're doing. I reached out to my buddy Moose. And uh, he just got back from Daytona with his racer, Cody Melton. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have much going on. Uh, and he's just who I call when I got a crazy last-minute idea. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Somebody's... Uh-oh. What happened? What'd you forget? <clears throat> oh, my gosh. You forgot your saxophone. Take it. Love you, kiddo. Kids going to school and he forgot his saxophone. They are definitely going to be late now. Uh, but yeah, so I hit up Moose and Moose is like, yeah, that's a fucking great idea. I'm glad that you hit me up because I don't have much going on this week. But he was like, how about we do like a, a dream catcher idea where we hang a dog, like we do a Born Free Texas image or logo or something and then hang a dog tag off of it and then give the guy whoever rides the furthest a dog tag as well that says Born Free Texas with his name on it. That way he's got a little keychain to take with him and then we hang that, the other one, off the uh, award that'll be hanging in the cabin. Uh, I haven't cleared this with anybody, but we're fucking doing it, okay? So whoever rides the furthest is going to get their name on the Long Haul Award for Born Free Texas. Moose, thank you for uh, helping me make my dreams come true. You are truly the man. So my kid just now, he just came back in and got a saxophone. But this weekend, uh, I went and recorded a show with a guy named Scott Holthouse. And I think I might have mentioned him on the show, possibly, or maybe this show. Anyways, he uh, does light and production <clears throat> for lots of bands, but specifically this weekend, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, dude. And I sat down and I recorded a podcast with Scott while fucking fleas doing warm-ups in the background, like yoga stretches on this fucking thing he's got. Chad Smith and Anthony Kiedis are walking around. I was just like, oh my gosh. And Scott was just the coolest motherfucker ever. Uh, built a chopper in his mom's apartment when he was 11, rode it to school, found a fucking Vincent in a barn that was collapsed onto a tractor while he was hiding during a paintball match. Anyways, really fucking cool podcast, and I got to take my family to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and uh, it was amazing, so I can't wait for you to hear that show next week. But until then, let's get into the uh, Ruta Cuarenta, part two. So the next morning, I wake up in Catchy. Uh, I think I went and filled up again. Like, I, I rode around town, couldn't find it. Oh, that's what it was. I couldn't find a gas station. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, like, this is not good. And from Catchy, I, was, uh, I wasn't sure where I was going to stay, but I was like, I think I'm going to stay the night somewhere. I was told by a couple of people to go to Cafayette. Uh, I met a, a couple from, I think... The Carolinas, I think the guy was, uh, you know, in the service. They were in a overland vehicle. They were trekking south, uh, you know. But I was also like, man, I'm, I'm camping. Like tonight, I am fucking camping. Like I set the intention early that morning. I was like, this country is so fucking beautiful down here, and uh, and I thought that I had been told that the pavement starts back up and catchy. So I was thinking, you know. That that'd be nice to because it was dusty. It really wasn't bad at all, and I and I wasn't even like, I didn't even care at that point. Like I didn't care what the row was, but I did think that it was going to be pavement. So for a while, I thought I was on the wrong trail, but I kept seeing the fucking uh, Ruta de la Vino, and I'm like, oh, sick, you know, like what? I don't even care if I'm on the wrong path, but there's just fucking. Wine orchards everywhere, bodegas, which is what they call their uh, wineries or their the bottling places. 
and I and I uh, the place I stayed at was like this fucking cool old place, uh, really crazy architecture. I mean, uh, but the breakfast they said was like down the like on the square at some restaurant. Anyways, I couldn't find it that morning. I think I did an intro for the podcast there and uh, went up, packed my shit up. I did a bunch of computer work actually uh, that morning with like for MC Shop Tees and just got some shit squared away. Hit the road trying to find gas. There's no fucking gas anywhere. And I'm like, well, I got some gas. Surely there's something down the way. Yeah, right. Why would I? I mean, I should fucking. I didn't stop and ask nobody, and that was a pretty good-sized little town. Like, I'm sure that there was gas somewhere. I just didn't find it. Anyways, I'm like, you know, I got all I got all day, but I'll get situated in camp somewhere, uh, you know, in the night, right? We're trying to pull up the map and figure out where I'm at here. Gotcha. And uh, so I take off. There's fucking vineyards everywhere. The road is... Uh, you know, it's just fucking cool. It's just like windy, a little bit hilly, but I mean, it's warm. It feels fucking great. Uh, and I stop at like the first little like old looking wine vineyard place, hoping to get some breakfast. It said there was a restaurant. Uh, turns out that they didn't sell anything except for chocolate covered, like these little uh, something late leche cookies. Chocolate and wine. That's it. That's it. So, fucking ten o'clock that morning, I'm you know cracking the cracking into the wine and some chocolate, and uh, take off, keep cruising and cruising, and there's just fucking bikes going by. Nobody's going my direction, but going, you know, going north, and uh, which kind of worried me too. I'm like, why is everybody going the other way? Like, surely there's a reason, or you know, I don't know. But I stop and talk to. A lot of them. And I stopped and talked to this one dude on a bicycle. He was just fixing his flat tire. And uh, and he was actually from Catchy. And he was headed down to Ushuaia. But uh, he, he asked me where I was from. I was like, I'm from Texas. And he had a little speaker on his handlebars. As soon as the word Texas came out of my mouth, ZZ Top LaGrange started playing on his fucking speaker. And he goes, Texas, oh, Texas, and points at his speaker. I was just like, what a fucking magical moment that was, right? I go down a little bit further, and there was quite a bit of, uh, you know, what do you call it, a washboard effect on this gravel road. There's a lot of traffic on this gravel. I mean, it's the fucking, it's the wine tour of the wine country of Argentina. Of course there's a bunch of fucking traffic. Uh a little bit further, not even a kilometer, and uh, there's a dude fixing the flat tire on his bicycle. I'm like, stop, make sure he's good. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, I'm headed to Alaska, and he was from France. And I'm like, oh, my God, you got a long way to go, bud, but that's sick. And uh, I uh, take off, and uh, the guy from Catchy, he was like, I suggest you stay in Cafeyette tonight. And I'm like, dude, it's only like a couple hours away. And he was like, yeah, I know. And it's a beautiful place. There's wineries everywhere. There's good food, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'll probably have lunch there. And he was like, all right, you need to go to Casa de las Empanadas. And I'm like, fucking done. You know, like you're speaking my language, man. And uh, so I cruise on down, bam, make it to Cafeyette. And, uh... I find I find a gas station, get gas, and they have Wi-Fi at the gas station. I strip down some layers because it's fucking warm out, you know, and or maybe the wine was warming me up. I look up the Casa Empanadas. I go there. Oh my God, it was so fucking good. They all they had was like ten or twelve different kinds of empanadas. And then you order them, and there's, like, four ladies in the back, and that's all. They're making them fresh right there. Like, they have the dough, and they got all the fixings. They can fix the fixings. They put them in there. They fucking fix each one of them individually, and then they, they bake them. And, oh, my God, they were different shapes. Oh, they had this fucking pepper sauce to go with it. Now, it's not like it was very hot or anything, but, oh, my gosh, it was amazing. 
It was amazing, but it took a while to get, so I had a couple of glasses of wine. I was feeling pretty good, okay? But the fucking empanadas were great. Anyways, I look at the, the map, and I'm like, okay. So from Cafayette, there's Santa Maria. There's a couple of places down there, and I'm like, I'm going to fucking camp. You know, like I got, I get my water. I've got coffee. Uh, I figured the next little town I'll stop and get some empanadas and just, like, have them to eat that night. And uh, the bike starts. I, oh, yeah, from Cafayette, it's it's uh, concrete. That's when it goes back to pavement. And, uh, you know, now the road's flatter, straighter, um, fucking still wine country. And... Uh, I think the next spot was, yeah, Santa Maria. And the bike's kind of bumming me out. Uh, but I'm just like, whatever. I'm just, I'm like, not, actually, at this point, it wasn't bugging me out. It was just like, fuck it. I'm going 45 miles an hour. Like, I, I don't even care. I'm just enjoying the whole, the whole time that, like, in this, on this wine road, there's this big river bottom to the left of me. And, you know, it's just fucking gorgeous. Anyways, I get to Santa Maria and I'm, like, looking for a place to camp. And, uh, oh, yeah, actually, it opened up into this, like, desert area, like, fucking cactus everywhere. I, uh, oh, my gosh, I start seeing some dust clouds off off to the side. And, I, and I'm looking over there through the trees, like, what's causing all the dust? It looks like there's a stampede. And, bam, I see dudes on fucking horseback, like, ca- like doing a cattle drive through the fucking sand and cactus with these cattle. Oh, my God. It was so fucking cool. And I take off immediately to go help them. Just fucking dive off the road. Fucking in the sand. It's deep. And I'm just like, oh, shit. And I'm like, fucking, there's plants everywhere. And I realize, like, all these plants have giant fucking thorns on them. So I fucking just stop. I try and take some pictures. And, I mean, like, fucking, what was I going to like? Obviously, I was feeling good. So I get my shit back together. I get back on the road. And I'm like, let's stay on the road now, you know, like have another talk with myself. Like you're getting a little, you know, you're in wine country. Okay, buddy. Uh, And I'm just cruising. And the bikes, you know, it's not going very fast. But I'm like really enjoying looking at the desert. I see like a crazy-looking quail-like bird or a grouse, like a ground bird runs across the road. It's got, like, a tall, skinny neck with a couple of feathers sticking off its head, like alfalfa. And I see a, a fox. It, was, it Actually, it looked like a coyote till I got up closer to it and realized it had this big, bushy tail, but it was the color of a coyote. But it was definitely a fox. At one point, I'm like, this road's long and straight, and, I mean, it's desert. I'm, like, in this valley now, and it's flat, for very, very, like, you know, miles, and then there's mountains on either side, but the road's just straight. And it looks like, you know, I'm seeing, like, the heat lines come off of it, and it looks like I see animals or people on the road, like, moving across it. And then I see on the direction that those forms are going, like, sand kick up. So I'm like, oh, it's not a mirage. Like, that's something over there. And I finally get up to it. And there was, like, a fucking stampede of wild donkeys, like, scrappy-looking donkeys, dude, just, like, running down the side of the road. So now I'm, like, you know, practically going the same fucking speed as them. Once they fucking, you know, once they finally turned and cut and started going the same direction as the road, that's about where I'm at. And I'm, like, oh, sick, you know, I'm a jackass right here with these jackasses going through the desert. And uh, It was really fucking cool. It was really fucking cool. Uh, but I was looking for like uh, some place to stock up on supplies because I was feeling too good to do that in Perma or in Cafayette. And uh, I start seeing X's for places, but the the places were like not on the road. You know, like they weren't like you couldn't see them. And I didn't know how. There's, you know, there's no sign that says like, oh, two kilometers that way or twenty that way or or maybe there was. Fuck, I don't even remember now, but. Finally, I'm I'm like, all right, this is there. There's one that looked convincing, like there might be some stuff off. So I exit. I get off this pavement road, and uh, turns into fucking gravel immediately. And then, bam! There's a big, nice gas station. I'm like, sick. And I ask the dude, I'm like, hey, is there a store around here where I can buy some stuff? And he he points down the road, and uh, I fill up. I go down the road, and I go in the store, and it's like the it's uh. 
There was not much, many options, right? There wasn't too many options at all. Uh, there were some really friendly ladies, like really friendly ladies. Uh, I mean, they looked haggard, though. Like, they were excited, but, I mean, they were, I don't even know how to explain it. They, you know, like, hills have eyes type shit. Like, this is weird. They're, these people are way too nice. Like, so I get back on the bike and I take off. They didn't have cigarettes. I think I bought a couple of tomatoes. <laughs> Okay, I leave to go camping with a couple of tomatoes. I don't even know that this place had fucking water. Maybe they did have water. I don't remember. And I'm cruising around. I go further down this road, like looking for a place to buy some empanadas or another one of those sandwiches or something. And I stop and talk to another guy, and he's got a store. And he's got, like, signs for cut meat and sandwiches and all this shit. And I start asking him if he's got this or that. You got cigarettes? He's like, no, I don't have... I don't have nothing, man, but your bike's cool, you know? And I'm like, you know, fucking sun's going down. I need some fucking supplies so I can go find a spot to camp. And then I uh, I see a sign as I'm cruising back towards the main road because at this point I'm like, I'm like this spot. There's a bunch of buildings and stuff, and but nobody's got nothing. But I did see like a grocery, like a more of like a grocery-looking type store, like through the doors. There was no signs or nothing, but you could tell that there was groceries in it. And I was like, maybe I'll go back to that. Uh, Anyways, I see a sign, and I'm like, what's that? And they're like, I don't know. It looked colorful. It was handwritten. kind of looked sketchy, too. And I turn off, and I go down this other dirt road that goes back towards that main road of 40, and then it goes underneath there. And you go underneath 40 under this little concrete tunnel, and it opens up to this fucking beautiful fucking campground. And this like right is the right at the beginning of this fucking canyon. And I'm like, no way. And there's this fucking lady and she's super stoked to see me. And she's I'm like, you know, I ask her, I'm like, are you gonna be cooking here tonight? Is there a fucking place to buy food? It's obviously like you can see around. I mean, it's just sand, and they have like all these beautiful rocks stacked everywhere for like to show you the trails and the campsites, and there's there's, like, tables made out of, like, rocks and tree stumps and, like, very, very organic stuff. But, like, you could tell they put a lot of work into this place, and it was very beautiful. And there was a stream running through it. And, I, you know, I'm like, all right, I am fucking, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to go find food right now. Do you, are you hungry? And she was like, fuck yeah. So I go back into town. I go to that grocery store and, um, uh, what did I do? Oh, yeah, I found cans of fish. Like, <laughs> I, I've i never, I don't know, did I tell you guys about the last can of sardines I had? It was fucking nasty looking. I mean, it tasted just like regular sardines, but they were not, it was not the same sardines you buy back in America. So these sardines cans were round, but it was the only canned food in there that had like a, that you could open up without having to like fucking cut it open. And it was like half, you know, it was like half the size of a can of beans. So it was like it was like double the size of like a starfish can of tuna. Uh, it's just a bigger can. So I get that and a box of crackers, and I've got those two tomatoes. So I go back, and I'm like, I'm I'm embarrassed to give this lady. I told her, she said, go get us some sandwiches, you know. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, she acted like it was going to be easy. Anyways, I get these cans of fish, box of crackers. I come back, and she is so fucking grateful. And, uh, you know, she points me. She gives me the spot, like, closest to the canyon, off by its lonesome, you know, past the sign that says no motorcycles and cars. She's like, no, go over there, right over there. I pull up. There's fucking just wild horses over there. Like, I don't know what the fuck they were eating because there's nothing on the ground but, like, the fucking... Uh, thorn bushes, cactus, and rocks, and sand, but uh, anyways, I park it. Uh, She is so grateful for the fish. Um, I kind of, you know, I'm like, do I set up a tent? I'm like, it's fucking beautiful out. So I just pull my tarp out, throw my sleeping bag down, and uh, pull out my chair next to this rock table, bust out a bottle of wine I bought, uh, cracked a can of fish, and about this time, this guy came Walking up the valley, I guess it was her husband or whoever works the park and does, like, guided hiking trips in there or something. It seemed like maybe because there was a couple people. 
Anyways, they really wanted me to walk down that deal. So before I ate, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go for a walk. And I got some, uh, my cigarettes. I put on shorts and flip-flops and, like, took off down this canyon. It was fucking beautiful. And uh, there's birds flying around. She was, oh, yeah, another thing. So this is a sand campsite, right, with a fucking fire ring and this, like, rock. There's, like, this big rock that they had poured concrete on top of to make it flat, even though it wasn't flat. And uh, she came over and was sweeping my camping site. Now, there's no concrete. She was literally sweeping the sand and clearing all, just like any sticks or thorns or anything, just so that it was, like, perfect sand. Oh, so it was so, I wish I would have got a picture of her. She was so sweet. Uh, so I go on that walk. I walk back in the canyon. It's fucking beautiful. The, the creek doesn't have much water in it. It's not even really running. Uh, but there's water. There's water in it. But it doesn't seem like it's moving. Anyways, I uh, go back to the side. I fucking pop open that can of fish. Okay, now, <laughs> now this, this was even more different than the last can of sardines. Because it had like, if you were to just take... Like, if you were deep sea fish, you got bait fish that's probably like, I don't know, 12 inches long. If you were to just cut that in sections, like you do when you're fucking cutting up bait, just cut that in sections that are as tall as the can and then just stick those sections in the can. That's what this was. Scan and all, which, you know, and I'd never seen it like this. So, anyways, I, uh, I fucking eat a tomato, I eat the fish, I eat all the crackers. I bust out the wine. I uh, I didn't have a wine opener, so I had to use my like my uh, what did I use? I use shit. Shit. What did I use? Oh, the thing that I I put a, a my plug kit. My plug kit has like this little rasp spiral thing that you like kind of get the hole cleaned up before you put the rubber plug in. I scrolled that down in there and used some pliers and pulled the top out and uh, drank that and listened to, I was listening to uh, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, which my buddy Terry told me about. And it, dude, that part of the book, I think it was like chapter 13 and 14. It, it's just so fucking good. That book is so good. Like, that's what I'm going to finish tonight probably. And, uh, it, I mean, the whole, that night was fucking great. They fucking left. It was just me. Uh, and it was fucking beautiful. It was beautiful. I slept in the sand. And at some point, I woke up in the middle of the night, and it sounds like that river's flowing. Now, given this little stream was probably about 12 foot wide, and it didn't have an inch of water in it when I rode through it because I had to ride through it to get to my camping spot where it said, you know, no motorcycles allowed, the camping site that she sweeped with the broom, the sand camping site she sweeped with the broom. And uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, but I woke up in the middle of the night, and I could hear water running, and I'm like, that's very interesting. What could that possibly be? And uh, anyways, I go back to sleep. Sure enough, wake up the next morning, um, and the fucking the stream's got water in it, like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, that, that was very anticlimactic. I know. So the next morning, I'm like, "Fuck, I gotta take a shit." Right? As soon as I go to fucking do my paperwork in the fucking, you know, there's not much cover. Like all these plants don't have fucking leaves on them. You know, there's bushes and thorns and shit. But it's sure enough, get me a little sand hole dug and some rocks to use to cover it up. Those fucking, that couple pulls back, or no, just the guy pulls back up on the motorcycle. And I'm fucking stark ass naked over there. Uh, I was just like, yeah, of course, that's, that's exactly how that goes, right? Anyways, I go back to my shit, I start packing up, and he's like, you know, I could tell he was kind of like, you're, Kind of not shocked that I was leaving, but maybe a little bit disappointed. I think he wanted to take me on a hike up the, the canyon. And, uh, but anyways, he just stood over there and, like, and just watched me. 
And I no, I don't know if he he was he was watching me, but he was like almost just there. He just wanted to be right there in case I needed anything. And he just like I could tell he enjoyed just seeing me my process of getting all my shit together. I like packed most of my shit up. Uh then I did some bike maintenance. I think I just, you know, tightened the chain and lubed it and you know, it was uh it wasn't weird. I don't know. I I, just, I remember thinking like Normally this would bug me, but this guy's like not bugging me at all. He's not like talking a bunch or asking a bunch of questions or you know, he was just politely there every time I'd like go to do something with the trash or like something I had to th- like he would and he would help, but not like I don't know. It was it was nice. It was just maybe I just, you know, enjoyed having a buddy that morning, you know. And uh Anyways, I like I found as I was packing up, I found the award I got in Peru for the slow bike race. And he thought that was the coolest fucking thing ever. He wanted to take a picture of it, picture of me and my machine. He finds me on Instagram. I'm like, dude, my phone doesn't have any service. Uh, or, you know, like, or I'd follow your posts. I don't know. Uh, but it was nice. It was, it was cool. And then he had this, like, David and Goliath rock-throwing whip. And he was just so stoked to show that to me. And it was cool. It was. We were both sad to say goodbye, but we didn't. Remember, I filled up in that town, so I got to leave with a full tank. But I didn't have service that night. I didn't get to, like, you know, check in with my wife or anybody. So I came up on a gas station and uh, stopped there. I I didn't put gas in because I was full. Got a Red Bull and some water and a coffee. I didn't know they had coffee there. They had a fucking espresso machine, which was fucking insane. And they had Wi-Fi, so I'm, like, sick. I, like, I talked to Billy from... uh, from B&B Racing for, like, an hour. He fucking loves Argentina, dude. He love he, like, that smart motherfucker, he's like, dude, whenever I travel anywhere, I take cooking classes. And when I was in Buenos Aires, I fucking took an empanada cooking class. And I was like, dude, that's fucking genius. Like, I, I want to start doing that now. I'm like, fuck, I want to, you know, the next time I'm in a place, like, now I'm probably going to go try and find a place to stay in and get cooking lessons because... What a fucking great idea. Maybe I'll do it in Santiago. But uh anyways, I check in, and at that point I'm like, all right, you know, where am I gonna go to? The next big town is uh like San Juan or fucking Mendoza is like the last town. I'm like two I could either make a really long day and make it to Mendoza. Uh, and then stay there, or I could, like, make it three-quarters of the way there and then go through Mendoza and take the pass over. But I'd also talked to somebody, and they said the pass. So Mendoza's as far south as I was going to go in Argentina and then cut over to Santiago. But I also heard that this pass was uh, shut down for snow sometimes, and at that point it was shut down. I'm like, well, a couple days. There's no need to rush there if it's shut down. You know, I'm in wine country, right? Well, actually, I was out of wine country. I had quit seeing the signs at that point. But uh, so I take off, and the bike, the bike is not running good. The bike is not running good at all. Now, the bike was running really bad, actually. Like, I was thinking, like, of things that I could fucking do. Uh, The throttle was just getting shorter, like, seem like every morning now the throttle just doesn't turn quite as much and if there's any headwind or anything it just makes it you know I just can't get the the revs up and I fucking struggle with like not turning the throttle too much I always turn the throttle too much and then it dies out and I'm fucking have to like click down a gear there's a fucking gnarly just gnarly headwind and they have a name for it it's a wind that like comes over so there's a the the border of Chile and Argentina is the Andes Mountains. It's like this, you know, the mountain range and the the top of the mountain, like one side of the mountains is Chile, the other side is Argentina. But the the wind comes from the ocean, goes up and over the Andes, and like somehow the friction warms it up and then blows it through this valley. And it's a headwind for me. So that day, um, you know, it was just fucking, it was just getting more annoying than anything. 
And it was a lot of, you know, straight line cruising. Uh, I was told by my buddy uh, Igarat that instead of going down to Mendoza, I can cut over and there's a road that's closer to the Andes that's dirt and, you know, better riding something. Oh, when I get there, I'm going to take that longer route. Since the border's shut down, I can take my time. There's no need to rush there. Uh, but, dude, the bike is just running like dog shit now. I'm fucking getting passed by people again. The wind even stopped, and it's not fucking just the throttle's just not working right. And uh, I get to this town called Chilecito. I stop and get gas. And, uh, and then the road from there starts cutting west, and it's... Now I'm going up. I got another pass to go over. And the sun's going down. But I'm thinking I, the sun wasn't going down at the, when I got to Chilecito. But by the time I got to the pass, the sun was going down because it took so fucking long. And I was thinking I could get up and over to the pass to, you know, or maybe there was something like the road was paved. So I think that there was like a, I was thinking there was a place to stay at the top of this fucking pass. Uh, come to find out. I don't think that was even true, but let me find where I was at. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is this right? No. Yeah. So I start cutting west. In the bike, the last gas station I stopped at, turn the bike back on, and the throttle, like, split in half. Like, I can barely go 20 fucking miles an hour. And it took me forever, and I kept, I was just like, fuck it, I have to, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it up this pass. The wind's blowing, the fucking temperature's dropping. I'm like, all right, I got to, you know, now I'm, like, looking for hotels, and there's fucking nothing around. And then I see, like, a spot that says tourist information. So I'm like, surely there's a hotel here, and I, um, or, you know, in this vicinity. Cruise a little bit further, and there's, like, buildings and stuff, but there's no nothing. No food, no bodega, nothing. So I turn around and go back to that tourist information, and I ask them, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, like, I don't know. We, we did not communicate very well at all. So I'm like, do you have Wi-Fi? And she was like, yeah. So she hooks me up on Wi-Fi, pull up the booking app, and there's there's a hotel in front of me, like real close by for 75 bucks, and then there's one at the last city for $150, and I was just like, I did not see anything in that fucking little bitty town. Like, I, I did, I mean, I'm sure it was like something off the road that was like an old mansion or something, like it had to be. I mean, the pictures look nice, but anyways, I'm like, oh, there's a fucking hotel right up here, Casa de la Miranda. So I ride up to where, I mean, I had just ridden by there. I didn't see anything. So I'm, like, looking around, and I see the the picture. Or I see the, the house from the picture, but there's no fucking signs on it. So I pull up, and I, st- I go in there. I go up to the door, and I knock on it, no answer. So I'm, like, okay, well, you know, this is booking.com. I didn't book it at the tourist place. I just found, I thought, you know, maybe I'd get a better deal, cash or something. And uh, I go back to the tourist place and hook up to the Wi-Fi, tell her that there was nobody there. And so I booked the room, booking.com. And and you, you got to understand how aggravating it was to have to keep on getting back on this bike that was running 20 miles an hour. And at this point, I'd also decided, like, okay, I've got to, like, this This has got to be addressed. I'm going to have to, like, find this hotel, and I'm going to take apart this throttle, something I didn't want to do because I thought I might make it worse. But at this point, it's like, uh, like I can't keep riding like 20 miles an hour. Like, and after that last bump in um, difficulties, I was like, dude, this could just stop working at any point. So, anyways, I go back to the tourist spot, Wi-Fi again. I booked the room, thinking that that would bring somebody to the door. So then I go back over there, knock on the door, nothing. Wait for like 10, 15 minutes, and it's like after five something. Fuck, I need to go back there before they turn the Wi-Fi off, and uh, maybe I can get that lady to call and. Sure enough, I go back to the fucking the tour spot for like the fourth time or some shit, and uh, I get the lady to call, get the guy on the phone, 
and he he speaks decent English, and, and I tell him, hey, I just booked the room. He's like, oh, I didn't see it, and I was like, well, I, I literally just booked it. He's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'm there. I'll be there, or I'll, I'll see you. Just come over here. So I go over there, and it's like this house. It's a house. Um, and it's a kid. He's like my age, maybe. I think he was 33. But uh, you know, he fucking lets me in. He gives me a covered spot to park the bike. I tell him I got troubles, and you know, that this this may be as far as the bike makes it for now. I may have to get get a tow or something. You know, like that throttle piece is uh, supposedly being shipped to Santiago, Chile, and. Like, if I can just get to the Harley dealership, then, you know, that's, I'll just leave it there. Fuck, I don't even care. I just want to get home, you know? So, anyways, I get situated. I go fucking take the throttle apart. And, uh, I mean, I fucking, uh, I didn't even have the tools. Like, I took the throttle sensor out and took this sensor apart. And, like, the spring popped out, the loading mechanism. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll get rid of the spring and put it back together and see if it does the same thing. And sure enough, it does the exact same thing. And the way it works is there's, like, this glob of, uh, you know, there, where the plug plugs into it, behind that, there's, like, you know, it's just a filled area where you can see all the wires and chips in there in a silicone uh, bath of silicone, right? Can't really dig into there. Uh, there's this little mechanism that spins up to the back side of that on the inside of the throttle i know this is hard to imagine it was uh anyways i I just clean stuff i just kept putting it back together taking it apart and and then uh i think the third time i did it when i put the spring back in there uh the throttle did not work at all now you just oh and then i'd turn the bike on and the fan would kick on and it made a pop noise and i'm like oh fuck now i'm like you know, I'm fixing now. I'm fixing to fuck up and make something worse. Uh, so, at that point, I just said, "Fuck it, that's it." You know, like I went there and just sat down. He's just chilling. I mean, this is like a, it's just a house with not much in there. He's chilling in the living room area. It's a cool big house. I mean, it's it's sweet. And I think from what I gather, he just bought it. He owns a bar and he just bought this place. He's going to renovate it, and uh, and you know he. He he's just working on it, but he's sitting on the couch with a coffee table with a fucking ashtray filled with cigarettes. He's got his t- rolling tobacco, his weed. He's got his matcha tea thing, and he's got a soccer game on TV. And uh, I'm like, I guess I'm hanging with you. Like, but this seems like a pretty cool fucking spot to hang. And uh, and then I spent the rest of the evening just trying to figure out how to get a fucking ride for me and my bike, you know, and. Uh, I hit up that guy on the KLR from Mendoza. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm uh, about six hours north of Mendoza, and I need to ride there. You think you can help out? And he was like, yeah, 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 no problem. We'll figure it out. I mean, it was super cool. Right off, I mean, right out of the gate, he's like, yeah, 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 no problem. Well, let me let me figure this out. So uh, I reached out to some other people. I reached out to Path and Buenos Aires from Invader Cycle Supply and he starts reaching out to people. He starts getting quotes on tow companies. And uh, anyways, I hear back from that guy. Uh, his name is Facundo. And Facundo, he says, hey, man, I think I got a guy with a truck who can uh, come pick you up. Uh, he'll leave tomorrow and drive through the night and then pick you up at 7 in the morning and bring you back to Mendoza, you'll get here like 2 or 3. And I'm like, okay, how much does that cost? He's like, 500 bucks. And I'm like, you know, for a six-hour tow with my motorcycle, that seems pretty fucking reasonable. And then Path gets back to me. He's like, I found a, a tow company, and they want like $1,000. They want like a $1,100 if you pay with a credit card and $1,000 if you pay with cash. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh. So I call up Facundo. I'm like, you know, send that motherfucker, dude. So his, the uh, the guy reaches out to me. It was Facundo's little brother. And uh, his brother's like, hey, man, all right, I'm going to be there at 7 in the morning. Drop me your exact location. And, uh, and I'm going to drive through the night and uh, pick you up in the morning. And I'm like, no way. So sure enough, the next day I wake up and. I record, I put out a podcast, I fucking do some more computer work, catch up on some things, and then uh, 
Juan, the guy who owns the hotel, he's working on the place. Like, you know, I thought if, my first impression was like this fucking stoner kid has his house and he's just like renting out rooms for an absorbent amount of money because it seemed like a lot uh, what I paid him. But, you know, the dude's fucking working on shit. Come to find out he owns a bar in uh, the, a big city uh, called La Roja that's about a few hours away. Anyways, he feeds me dinner that night, too. Like, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, like, fuck, I don't have any food. This house doesn't have anything in it. And then all of a sudden, he's like, about 10 o'clock, he's like, you want some food? And I'm like, yeah. He fucking comes out of nowhere. I didn't even, the refrigerator didn't even have any shelves in it. But he shows up with a bowl of fucking noodle soup and then a plate full of fucking noodles and cheese and then a charcuterie board of fucking cheese and salami and two beers. And I'm like. Dude, this is sick. So I hung out with him, and we watched fucking soccer and uh, ate that food, and I went to sleep fucking full of shit. Woke up the next morning, uh, did some work, and uh, fuck, I, I fucking actually I worked all goddamn day on shit, you know, really lining up the, the trying to figure out a ride. For you know, this guy was just going to take me to Mendoza. Mendoza is still a couple hours away from the border, and then I got to have somebody meet me at the border to take me to the dealership. And uh, luckily, Janelle Kaz, once again, she uh, she's got good, she's got good people, and she hooked me up with a guy who's got a custom Harley shop in Santiago. And this guy, I think his name is Mauro. He's been he's been on the ball. He's fucking helping me out. So you know, I was starting to get pretty fucking cheered up. You know, like. Things are things are coming together, like, and then uh, Juan's friend came over, a kid named Fetty, and he brought over sandwiches and more these like big fucking like black the Salta Negro uh, black beer. So I you know I enjoy these sandwiches with these guys and and uh, dude, next thing you know, we're fucking. Drinking uh, Fure Barranca and Coca-Cola, watching, oh yeah, we started watching YouTube videos, showing each other YouTube videos. Fetty's a, a photographer too, he was showing me some of his images, he does like landscapes and shit, it's fucking beautiful. Start talking music, we go back into the living room, smoking cigarettes, hook the computer up to the big screen TV, and we're showing each other music, and all of a sudden we're like, fuck, it's dinner time, let's get some food, so we take off walking, we're going to walk to this market down the street, market's fucking closed, and uh, they're like, all right, well, let's go get in the car, and we'll go drive somewhere, and then all of a sudden, Juan says something, he's like, nah, we get back to the house, he pulls out of a freezer in the back, a giant bag of empanadas, uh, bottles of wine, more of the Fernet Bianca, which is like some kind of, uh, it's like a thick liquor, Real strong with uh, lots of herbs and spices in it. It was it. They drink it with Coca Cola. It wasn't terrible, but I just have some grape juice instead. We fucking fire up. He's got like a commercial gas stove that looked like it was not functional, but it worked fucking great. And he cooked up this giant steak with fucking vegetables. I mean, everything just came together and hanging out with those two guys like. Uh, I was kind of distracted the night before. Me and Juan didn't really click, but when Fetty came over, it was like, literally, I just, they started telling me about their culture and uh, music, introducing me to their music, like this band called Laranga. These dudes that are like, they're just fucking rock and roll, and they ride bikes all over the country. They only play in Argentina, and uh, just super rad cats, and we're just sharing music and laughs and food, and it was just fucking... It, it was awesome. I like, you know, I was like, fuck, dude, this is, I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have gotten to do this if my bike didn't break. And uh, next, you know, oh, yeah, while we're cooking the food, fucking dude comes in with a bunch of mushrooms, or not a bunch, but like, you know, a fucking palm full of mushrooms. So we eat mushrooms, start smoking weed with them. I'm like, you know, fuck it. You, this is what you guys do tonight. Let's, I'm fucking in. And we, well, I fucking out-partied them all, and I found, I think the last video I put on was Nine Inch Nails Pretty Hate Machine, and I didn't realize it. Like, so when, when, when we were showing each other videos, like, they would show me the new Laranga, and then they would show me, like, a video from, like, 94, you know, and, 
and I would show them something new, and I'd show them the same band, you know, from years ago. And then we got into, like, you know, we realized that that we had the same music growing up from, like, Metallica and, like, Pearl Jam or uh, what else? Uh, we did Pink Floyd for a while. And Anyways, I put on that Nine Inch Nails, and I didn't realize it, but the Nine Inch Nails Pretty Hate Machine video that I played because it said it in Spanish... I look back, it said 30 años. It was the coolest fucking thing ever. It was like a blend of live shows from Nine Inch Nails from 30 years. And it would go from one to the other. The song would play continuously, but it would show them like in, you know, the early 90s and then the fucking teens. And the it was just fucking cool as shit. And I remember like just watching the light show. Now, maybe the fucking mushrooms were talking to me, but I started thinking like how impressive the fucking like the theatrics were and i knew this ahead of time like trent reznor has been i mean he's just a bad motherfucker dude uh and he's conscious of all those things and uh it was just cool i started thinking about scott and red hot chili peppers and like you know i just i i I found that i was like you know just starting to uh how would i explain it like you know, just take in the art of the live uh, show light situation. You know, it's something I hadn't given that much thought to. And uh, I don't know, I just started thinking about Scott that night and the light show on that fucking, that Pearl, or that Nirvana, uh, that Nine Inch Nails video. And it was cool as shit. I introduced him like Paul Cawthon, Jonathan Tyler, and the Northern Lights. I mean, it was... It was good, and they, they uh, Jorge Cafruno, like the people, like the music of the people, you know, talking about freedom, like old just guitars and, you know, singing about emotions, and they were trying to explain to me what they were saying. Uh, it was a fucking beautiful night. It was a beautiful night. Uh, so they all, they both those dudes fucking, Fetty falls asleep on the couch. Juan decides to leave. I've got Nine Inch Nails just fucking cranked, dude. I'm feeling good, and uh, anyways, I go start gathering all my shit. Uh, next morning, fucking seven o'clock comes around. I go outside to see if there's a fucking truck there, and uh, I look over, and there's a fucking white truck, and a dude like he's trying to pull in the wrong fucking property, and I wave, and I'm just standing there in my fucking underwear, and uh, he comes over. And he's got a fucking score international sticker on his window. I don't know if you know what the score is, but the score is the racing uh, committee that does the Baja 1000, the fucking San Felipe 250, you know, the whole series in Baja. And uh, the dude's just got a fucking Toyota Hilux short bed. I'm like, I don't even know this fucker's going to fit in there. We do some finagling, push the bike up a hill, back the truck up to it, get it in there, no problem, strap it down. And we take off, like 730 seven-hour trip back to fucking, uh, or to Mendoza. And this was Facundo's little brother. Facundo's little brother, this motherfucker, he raced the Baja 1000 two years ago by himself. Solo, no support. No fucking support and fucking spanked it, dude. Like, like, Finished the 1,000 by himself and has plans of going to do the Paris to the car by himself with the tools and his sleeping shit on the bike. Uh, he's racing the score series this year with some guys on a hawk. He's got a team that he races with on a Honda. Broke his arm at the last one and still finished his section with a fucking broken arm. Dude is wicked fucking cool. So we just talked dirt bikes for seven hours, you know, and. I was just like, you know, and that stretch of road was like flat, straight. It was just like, man, this is fucking amazing. And uh, we get here to his brother's house. And he had a friend with him, too. That they, they drove through the night, stopped two hours from the place, slept for one hour in the, ba- the bed of the truck, and then drove in and got there right at 7, just like he said he would. I mean, I was, and he was stoked. And, like, after talking to him, he was like, yeah, man, like, this is, like, part of training, you know, just, like, driving through the night. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you do the fucking thousand by yourself. Like, this is, you know, 
It was just so fucking cool. Then I get here to his brother's house, to the guy's house, who was riding the KLR 650 that passed me, that pissed me off at first because he didn't fucking wave or nothing, and it felt like he almost hit me. And that dude, just like, I mean, I'm at his house right now, and he's just, he's, they're not even here, but last night, he fucking, he's like, all right, you take a fucking shower, I'm going to go to the market. And he leaves, and he's gone for a little long, I'm like, what the fuck, he shows up with meat and bread and wine, and he's got this fucking old, like, mining bucket on a cart, like a train cart that, like, would go in a mine, and I'm like, and, he, and that's what he uses to fucking build a fire and cook his meat. And he's got blood sausage as well and this thing called intestinals or I don't, I don't know what it is. It's a fucking beautiful cut of meat. And he's got this wine and these tomatoes and juices and olives and bread. And we're fucking eating and drinking. And he was telling me that the trip that he just went on up to Bolivia by himself was his first solo trip. And he was like, it was fucking amazing, dude. And we had like a, we just had such a good connection that in that, that mining, his fucking fire pit, his brother found in a fucking mine cave that he was riding his dirt bike in. Him and his buddies strapped shit to it, drug it out of the fucking mine with their dirt bikes, hauled it to the fucking truck and brought it here. Oh, it's so fucking cool. We cooked the meat. We ate the fucking blood sausage. and Oh, my God. We And we talked all fucking night. We drank two bottles of wine. Fucking whole bottle of Macallan 12 years and just got to know each other. And I was just so appreciative that my bike broke down because this kind of shit would never have fucking happened if my bike worked. Like, it just wouldn't have happened. And, uh, you know, it was fucking beautiful. Today I just hung out here and fucking relaxed and napped and his daughter came over. I got to meet her and... uh him and his brother went to a wedding this evening, and, you know, the road's closed right now to go to Santiago. But uh, Mauro from the, the motorcycle shop, he's got a driver and a guy waiting for me to tell them when to meet me at the border. As soon as the road opens, Facundo or his brother, fuck, I can't even think of his brother's name now. Uh, they're going to haul me to the border, and I'm going to fucking do the customs and go into Chile with my bike, and the other guy's going to haul me back to Santiago, and he's going to leave the bike in his trailer until the dealership opens up on Tuesday and take it to the fucking dealership. Then I'll go talk to them, and uh, the part will show up. I'll fly home, and uh, I'm so happy my bike broke. It's insane, right? Like, it was so frustrating at first, but now I'm like, this is, I would have never got to learn about these people, uh, embrace their situation and their lifestyle and their fucking culture and share it with them and break bread. And, uh, it's been a fucking amazing. I've, you know, I didn't know I needed my bike to break so fucking bad. So it, I, I just can't explain to you how appreciative I am. It just reminded me how, you know, this trip is, uh, you know, traveling like this, it's the people around you. Not even just travel. Like, it's just period. The people around you are so fucking important. And uh, spending time and getting to learn about them. Uh, Michael Lichter's been fucking asking me since I left on this trip, you know, how much it's been changing me and affecting me. And, like, I, there's been a communication barrier. And, and it wasn't even a communication barrier. I think it was just my intention of trying to get to the bottom of South America and hit these dangerous roads that I almost forgot and missed the opportunity to really sit down and, you know, experience the life of the people around me. And let me tell you what, these people in Argentina, they fucking, they appreciate the finer things and they love meat. And they don't do much to it except for put salt and pepper on it and fucking eat it with some bread, dip it the fucking bread in some oil or some tomato juices and... It's just been fucking incredible. Uh, I hope that your bike breaks down at some point when you're on the road. And, you know, and this is something I've known. Like, I've been preaching this for years, thanks to fucking Beaner. You know, every time the bu something happens to the bike, I end up meeting some beautiful people. And, uh, you know, it's cost some money. And maybe 
it may not even cost any time with the fucking the road situation, but let me tell you what, it's fucking it's been it's been so fucking beautiful and refreshing and uh I I just want to thank everybody listening and everybody that's uh you know been following along and you know, this is a, a beautiful experience and it's only possible because of y'all and I really do appreciate that. So I love you. And I can't wait to see you in Texas. All right, man. I recorded this. I meant to put this out well before now, but I got fucking, you know, things got a little hectic as I got the bike beyond this part. So when I recorded this, I was sitting at my friend Facundo's house in Mendoza, Argentina. Uh, His brother, once the road opened up, the ice cleared, his brother... Came over with his Toyota Hilux. We put the bike in, back in the Hilux, the one that got me to his brother's house, and rode it. I'm trying to, let me look up his brother. Oh, fuck. Oh, Augusta. Augusto. Augusto's Hilux. We put it in the back. Uh, I coordinate with a guy named Morrow that I was put in touch with by Janelle Kaz. And he's got a custom shop over in Santiago. He reached out to the Harley dealership. They had a truck driver, and this dude with a big flatbed met us at the border. Augusto took me there in the Toyota, and it was a beautiful fucking ride. Uh, I cannot wait to go back down this road. And, uh, dude, the border was fucking crazy. It was like fucking 13,000 foot. You, like, go into this big garage area. It was probably the most intense border crossing ever, and Augusto had to go through it because he was in the truck with the bike and the truck that was picking me up was on the other side. So, dude, we sat, that took like two hours sitting in line. Finally got through there with the bike and the truck. Uh, Met up with the truck driver. We unload it, we get it all loaded up on the new truck. And then the new new truck driver tells us there was just an accident because as we're loading truck up, cops and paramedics kept going by and he was like, oh, a fucking car went off the cliff. And they shut down the road, so now Augusto is fucking stuck in Chile. And uh, but I didn't, I didn't put all this together until me and the other truck driver were driving off. And uh, anyways, I, Augusto made it back to Argentina. Uh, me and this new truck driver, we fucking made our way down into Santiago, and he dropped me off at uh, an address that Morrow had given me. He kept my bike, and uh, Morrow. What a rad dude, man. Brought me over to his buddy's house where they were fucking drinking wine, hanging out with ladies, and cooking fucking meat, dude. So we had steaks and potatoes and the salad this kid's made that was like his great-grandmother's recipe. I already fucking remade it here at the house for my family. And, uh, dude, they just treated me right. And then the next day, Moro took me on a tour of all the shops around Santiago. First, we went to the Harley dealership. We met up with the truck driver who dropped my bike off. I, I got squared away with the uh, the dealership on what I wanted them to do, which was like spark plugs, air filter, uh, change all the fluid in the radiator. Uh, what else? Oh, the throttle sensor is being sent there, which it actually landed. Uh, he just sent me a text this morning. It'll be there today, and they can start working on the throttle. I got a new fuel pump in there in case that's an issue. And uh, pretty much they got everything they need to get me up and running for when I return. And then Morrow took me from there over to a place called Wasso Choppers, which was super fucking rad, dude. Uh, Wasso is uh, a Chilean cowboy. This dude, his dad uh, was like the first Harley dude in Santiago. And uh, I think the place started in like 46 or 56. And... Dude, his dad is just the fucking man. Pictures on the wall, uh, him riding his old choppers. And, dude, this guy had a fucking a 39 VL, like, all there, missing a carburetor. Had a 1950 frame and tank set up and front end. Uh, but, you know, a bunch of shit that he can't find the other parts for. Had a bunch of rad bikes that he was working on. His bike was rad. And then... Uh, we went from there, we went over to the Indian dealership. It was cool seeing all Rolling Sands, Super Hooligan posters on the wall. And then we went to, we went by and checked out some uh, adventure rental shops. 
to see what it costs to like rent a motorcycle there for future trips. And then we went to Morrow's place and he just had this giant garage, one mechanic working there. I helped him work on an Evo Springer. He had a push rod situation and a timing situation. We got that all squared up. And uh, then we had some food. And oh, we went by Day Use Machina Shop, which is a fucking cool surf skate apparel place. Uh, I found a book called Surfing and Cocaine, which has been a pretty funny read. And then I went to the airport and uh, flew home that night, man. I can't thank Randall enough for making that happen. Um, dude, it was just fucking flew home, surprised my family. My buddy Joey came and picked me up at the airport, took me straight home. The fucking kids were outside like, what the fuck? It was awesome. It was a pretty magical moment. And then getting to take them to Red Hot Chili Peppers this weekend was fucking unreal. Scott, thank you so much for making that happen. And I can't wait for you guys to hear his podcast. So that's it. I'm back in Texas now uh, for another week and then go to Nepal and ride motorcycles in the Himalayas with Motorcycle Sherpa. What a fucking, what a trip, man. What a fucking trip. I hope to see you this weekend at Born Free Texas. Uh, After Born Free, I got some news to announce. Uh, For Mama Tried next year, we got a little idea that we are going to, uh, actually something they started last year that I'm going to pick up the torch with and keep going. And uh, anyways, come see me at the booth. I will have Danger Danum American Highway t-shirts, leftovers from MC Shop Tees, that will be available at Born Free exclusively. So come find me. And let's have some fun.